Well, let's go back a little bit. Let's go to verse 19, and we'll, we'll just... This is narrative material. It's story. It's beautiful. And we'll just watch it unfold. And then when we get to chapter 12, we see this wonderful thing take place before us uh, with regard to Peter. Um, it's... Uh, quite a sobering story, and it is not without its uh, instruction for you and me. So there, there we are in 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 19, and this church at Antioch, we'll review, that'll be review, and then we'll get down to verse 27, and that'll be some new material. We'll see how far we can get tonight, but it unfolds uh, really nicely uh, for us. Verse 19, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. It's easy to glide over that, but just think about the fact that there were some unwelcome circumstances around the believers. There was persecution. And even though there was persecution coming from those that did not believe in Christ, the work went on. The work went on. Because as they were scattered they continued to spread the message. And I think that is a, that's a wonderful uh, thing to keep in mind as you and I face a hostile world, is that we're still in it. We're still in the world. And there's still purpose for you and me in this world. And that is that no matter what the circumstances are and no matter how deep the darkness is around us, God has a plan and he will not relinquish the mission of spreading the gospel to those who don't know him. And he's, he continues to intend, he intends to use you and I in this effort to spread the message. I love that. These, uh, there's some spiritual stamina on display here in verse 19. They were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen. And this wasn't a mild persecution. Stephen was stoned to death. And then they began to, they, they did scatter. They made their way to Phoenicia and then Cyprus and Antioch. And they're speaking the word to Jews. That's interesting because that, the Jews were the ones who were taking exception to Stephen's message. But verse 20, there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also. So they have, a, they have a vision that goes, that goes way beyond speaking the gospel to the Jews, and that's to speak the gospel to the Greeks. 
I trust that as we endeavor to share the gospel with those around us, that that we're uh, we have a broad view of those who need the gospel. That we're generous with the story of Jesus. Because everyone needs that story, no matter their social status, no matter their skin color, no matter where they come from or what walk of life they're from, all need the gospel. And I love this, that they began to speak to the Greeks as well. So there's the gospel going to the Gentiles and they're preaching the Lord Jesus. It's just so wonderful. The Lord Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Uh, So often I think of encounters. I think of a, I think of a Easter encounter. Yeah, it was Resurrection Sunday. I got through church service was over, went home and we were eating and there was a knock at the door. Knock, knock. Well, who's going to knock at the door? On a, on a Lord's Day resurrection afternoon. Well, there's a couple Mormons. I think they're Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know. But it's like, what are we, what are we doing? I mean, I'll talk to you. But I'm not going to let you say a whole lot. I'll do the talking. If you want to stand here, let me do some talking to you. But it was so amazing just to see the legalism, you know, it's like they had reduced uh, their belief system to, you know, whether you smoke or not. I mean, come on. I mean, it's so, so, you know, it's like, it's, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. He's God. Let me hear for you. He's God. And it's, it's just so, and so, what I'm trying to say is a lot of times uh, in our Western way of thinking, it comes down to, you know, people pride themselves on what they are, like even denominations. It's like, it's about Jesus. <laughs> it's about Christ. And uh, anyway, Goodness. Just, it just strikes a nerve. That, I just love that. They were preaching the Lord Jesus. He is Lord. He is the one who's offered himself, the sacrifice. And that's what they were preaching. And he, they were preaching Jesus. And the hand of the Lord, I love this. I think this is, I think, I think that the last part of verse 20 goes with verse 21. We need to, Sometimes we need to do a better job connecting the dots. You know, the, the hand of the Lord was with them. Why was the hand of the Lord with them? Well, because when they were persecuted, they were scattered and they continued to preach Jesus. So that, therefore, the hand of the Lord was with them. The hand of the Lord wasn't randomly with them. The hand of the Lord was with them because they were intent on spreading the good news of Jesus. And they are preaching Jesus. And and then let's connect the hand of the Lord that was with them with this next part. And a large number 
who believed turned to the Lord. Well, that's, that's beautiful. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, so he saw the grace of God, he saw what God was doing with his own eyes. That's pretty neat to be able to witness the grace of God among a people. And he rejoiced and began to encourage them with all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. So be steadfast, be devoted to God. And that's what, that's, that's what they preached. I mean, if, if Jesus is Lord, as verse 20 tells us, they're preaching the Lord Jesus, then we should be, uh, we should be steadfast. We should be devoted to him. We should be true to him. And then we have this little commentary on Barnabas, for he was a good man, and he's full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas has this wonderful influence in the church. I mean, we could come up with a, a, a kind of a biographical sketch of him or a character sketch of him, that he evidently he was a good man. Right there it is. Um, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. He was an encourager. He was generous. We find out from Acts 4. And, and he is, uh, he's selfless. I mean, Antioch wasn't the end of the road for him. I mean, there are a lot of people that would have looked at Antioch like, that's the finish line. That's as far as I go. I've seen enough. God's done. Look what he's doing. But then he goes, he literally goes the extra miles. I mean, how many, do you know any believers that are willing to go the extra miles? Well, I'm glad Barnabas was, he was one of those who would go the extra miles. And what did he do? He left for Tarsus. To look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church. So Barnabas is linked here with Paul. And they're going to meet with the, with the church there in Antioch for a year. And they taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So this movement... That began because of the persecution and the scattering of the believers and the sharing of the faith as they were scattered. They're preaching Jesus and they're preaching the Lord Jesus to the Jews. And then they begin preaching the Lord Jesus to the Greeks. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. They're, they're blessed. There's fruit from the ministry. And Barnabas just thinks, this is, this is where we need Saul. This is where we need Saul. So he goes to look for Saul, and he found him. And he brought him back to Antioch. And then they meet for an entire year with the church and their teaching. And they made such an impact that that group of believers in Antioch were called Christians, Christ ones. 
the people knew that that group of people were all about Christ. And then Luke offers these next uh, few verses. There's four verses here. He says, now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So we're still in Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. So we see this intent on the part of these Christian people uh, upon hearing that there was going to be a great famine all over the world they wanted to they wanted to help the church in Judea so they took up a contribution an offering and sent it for the relief of the brethren living in Judea and they did it This they did, and they sent it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Hmm. It's just interesting reading the whole unfolding of this early church. I mean, they've met all kinds of obstacles, whether within or without, and the church just keeps moving forward. So we're in chapter 12 here, in verse 1. Where are we? There we go. And um, this is interesting. Now about that time, Herod, the king, laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. So again, something from without. You know, this Herod, he was, he's ruthless. He's, he's, he's a king. And he's got all kinds of power. And the church has already been through quite a bit of persecution. I wonder if there could be so much persecution inflicted on the church that somehow the church would die. Well, we find out from the book of Acts that that's just not going to happen. The church just keeps moving forward. So this Herod, this powerful man, lays hands on, laid hands on some who belong to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had, the, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Now... If you're a part of the church, that's serious. That that gets that's getting your attention. But I wonder what happens. We're gonna slow down. What's God what's God gonna do about this? When he saw that it pleased the Jews, 
so no surprise here, this Herod is a people pleaser. I don't remind you of Pilate. You know, you want me to, who can we release? You want Jesus or Barabbas? What do you want? Who do you want? You want Jesus or public enemy number one? Give us public enemy number one. Well, here, Herod has James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And he saw that it pleased the Jews and he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison. So we've got James who has been killed, executed, and now we have Peter in prison. Delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. So... I think this is a this is a thread through all the book of Acts and I think it's something that we need not only to learn but to keep it in our minds and to put it into practice and that is when the church prays God works period when the church prays God works And you have every reason to expect God to work when you pray. Now, he may not work the way you think he ought to work. But when you pray, you have every reason to think that God is working. And we can find instances in the book of Acts where it's the whole church together praying. And we can have other, we find other uh, instances where it's just maybe a couple people praying. But when they're praying, and Luke is really good at this, the church is praying while Peter's in prison. Hmm, okay. Well, I wonder what's going to happen. Well, it gets better. And here's the, here's the thing I thought about the other day. This is, this is why we need to keep an open mind when we pray and how God works. Because you, he's going to do a wonderful thing for Peter and the church. But James is already dead because of Herod's sword. So so faith goes forward regardless of whether we understand exactly what God's doing or not. But we, you know, we want to get, I, I like to get caught up with Peter in jail and the church is praying and then God's, doing all these things and he's working. But James is already, he's, he's already been executed. He's already suffered the wrath of Herod and Herod's sword. That's right there in verse two. And it's real easy just to kind of leave that in the dust and go on with Peter and watch this blessing of God. And it is a blessing of God, but it's, it's so often in the Christian life, it's both and. And, and 
that's where we say, lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct our paths. Whether it's James dying by the sword or whether it's God working miraculously in the life of Peter and the life of the church. So we go on here. Peter, uh, verse 5, so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. This looks like maximum security, right? I mean, he's chained, he's got guards all over the place. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. So where it says, and he struck Peter's side, that's not just like, you know, Peter, wake up, you know, hurry. No, he he wakes him up. He strikes his side. Peter felt it. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod. Remember, he's the same guy that killed James. And from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. There it is again. They were praying. Luke is, uh, he doubles down on this. The church is praying while Peter uh, was in prison. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, She did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. (laughs) I love it. It's just fun. Rhoda, go fix something to eat. I mean, it's just, they said she was, they said, you're out of your mind. (laughs) Oh, boy. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. (laughs) What else is he going to (laughs) do? And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord, how the Lord had let him out of the prison And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place 
Now when day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. So meanwhile, back at the ranch, so to speak, back at the jail, they have, no, they have nothing to say. They have no explanation. When Herod had searched for him and had not found him, he examined the guards and ordered that they be led away. And my Bible in italics says to execution. So the thought is these guards who were responsible for Peter were executed. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there. The point is, I'm remembering a parable of Jesus in which he said that at all times you ought to pray and not lose heart. And that, and then he says that God will bring about justice for his elect speedily. So I want to encourage you tonight just at all times to pray and not lose heart. And expect that when you pray, God hears and God answers. He moves. And then just rejoice. In his answer, rejoice in what he does. Do you, well, and I do believe uh, chapter 12 with all the miraculous angel uh, uh, helping Peter to escape and then the iron gate opening by itself. I believe all of this is historical. It's true. It's exactly what happened just as Luke records it for us. But it's God moving uh, as the church Uh, was praying. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. We we marvel at your word. We marvel at what you do. Uh, So Lord, instill in your people uh, this awareness that when we bow in prayer and worship of you, that you move, you work, Um, And help us, God, um, to rejoice in what you do. And even when we don't understand how you're working, um, help us to keep our eyes not on our circumstances, but on you and to continue in prayer, to be steadfast. And help us as a church to grow in this. Because here the church was praying together. Here it was the believers gathered together praying for this apostle. And you worked. So Lord, encourage our hearts tonight. It's good to be together and it's good to be uh, in your presence, oh God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.